Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Ooh, a spicy question. I <laughs> because love Because the writing is sort of everything, right? Like, you kind of can fix plot holes, but if the yeah. writing is So there. some readers love that, and some readers are like, but I wanted more of this. So it's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of a gamble. Hello, and welcome back to the Right and Wrong podcast. On today's episode, I'm joined by a romantic comedy author. It's Penilla Hughes. Hi, Penilla. Welcome to the show. Thank you. And thank you for having me. Thanks for joining me. Um, let's talk about rom-coms. Uh, you have three published novels, all rom-coms. Are rom-coms also your favorite thing to read? Yeah, I think they really are. <laughs> I am a total romantic and uh, just want to see happiness and feel good things in everything. And also I just like laughter and comedy. Uh, I just think love and laughter go hand in hand. So that's what I write with my kissing books. I think because I think when I was a teen, I watched a lot of um, Hollywood screwball comedies. And so that, you know, the Doris Day and, and, um, Catherine Hepburn and those kind and where it was they were just out and out love stories and then there was f- humor in there as well uh so oh yeah that just wrapped me up for yeah. life I think yes so so when it came to write like writing rom-coms was just like a very natural thing for you to do it's, it's I don't almost... think I can write straight I, I've tried <laughs> to write kind of worthy straight stuff and it yeah. just always veers into comedy at which point it's generally inappropriate. So I've just, in the end, <laughs> decided that actually this was my, my bag and just embraced it. Well, it's funny because I think things like rom-coms, and this is, I think is this, you can see this especially in films where it's so rare to see a rom-com nominated for awards and things like that. But like, I think it also happens with books as well, where the, 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 the story archetype itself, I, I think is often underestimated as something that might be easier or simpler to write because there is kind of a formula to it and you sort of most of the time you do know how it's going to end and i but i just don't think that's true at all i think it's very difficult to 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 write things like romantic comedies where you have to maintain the romance ma- maintain the comedy how, what do you think about that I, I, I agree. I mean, it's, I think when people read a rom-com, they say, oh, that was an easy read. Yeah. Well, I think the skill of the author is to have made it an easy read. Yes. And if they really look at it, then there would generally be, yes, there's a love story and a romance that contractually with the reader will be a happy ever after or a happy for now uh, with hope as well. And uh, if I was to write a book that didn't have one of those two with hope, then I would get slaughtered in my uh, reviews because otherwise it's, I mean, you can have a love story that's sad, but then it's not a romance. And equally, so, you know, when I get a review that says, oh, predictable, it's like, no, no, you picked up a romance, you were expecting a happy end. And that is the deal. What happens in between is the story. And that's where I don't believe you could have predicted necessarily all those things that I brought to the story and all, you know, my fellow, fellow romance writers, but I don't think it's any more predictable to anyone who picks up, say a crime novel, because you, 
the deal there is that the perpetrators are brought to book by the end. And if it was just left that they got away and, you know, ha-ha, then I think the, the, the reader would say, hang on a sec, justice was not served. This was not a satisfactory ending. So I think the romance thing people do see as fluffy and uh but actually if you met the vast majority nowadays that get published have underlying themes uh stories messages just as other more and i speechy marked worthy uh books uh have and that is the skill of the writer as well to be able to introduce those in a way that still uh are pacey and funny and um acknowledge the 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 things that rom-com readers expect from from the genre yeah i mean it's when you look at almost every book and and the same with with films as well unless it's you know a children's thing sort of middle grade and under almost almost every story has in as a even as a b plot or a c plot a a romance kind of underlying or implication of romance within it Yes, because we like that. I think that is the. I think it's like the way that people like spring. You know, the birds are, and and, and the the birds and the bees and the, those you know those things. It's a new cycle of life. There's it's a hopeful time, and I think there's that element as well within those kind of films that we even if there's just a, like a, like in the C plot, there's something going on. It gives you the uh, subconscious knowledge that life is going to carry on here. There will be other yeah, things. Yeah. New things are happening. Even if the story ends, there's new little relationships or sparks or things continue on in a hopeful way. And that's kind of the hope that I was kind of would like to include in, in the, in the definition of, of romance being happy for now, or just a happy ever after, because I mean, just the one that speaks to my hunger games, they do get together at the end. I think that's the, in well, the years on to not have but they a, are, that's an a to b via z though right yes <laughs> this is a love triangle absolutely <laughs> absolutely but the couple that at the end she is so broken she is so broken mm. at the end and i'm looking at that thinking i don't see any hope there you know really it's not it's a happy ending that's not particularly happy um yeah so i think from that stance yes just even if there's just a hint of something uh between some characters it does lead the reader to believe that there's story beyond the story. Yeah. 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 And also romance is so it's almost universally relatable. You know, it's something that often grounds a character. So hunger games is a great example because it's like, uh, Katniss isn't just this machine that, you know, is kind of fighting the good fight and doing all that stuff. Sometimes you, you have like these kind of moments of romance where you as a human being are sort of like, Oh, she also, you know, has feelings and emotions beyond. Yes overthrowing the world and things like that she's she's like me in that way you know I yes, can because you look at her kind of. and you think oh you are invincible and I would never be brave enough or strong enough but actually yeah. there's still at the end of the day there's an element of we all just want to be desired mm-hmm. you know I, I think the, the, the very ground level everybody wants to be desired in some way I think which I think yeah. is something that I, I, I think is is a true thing yeah, yeah so with all that in mind then how do you keep kind of each story feeling new and fresh whilst maintaining the sort of the promise of the genre and the sort of staples that come with that? Um, I think because when my three books are all, they're different, but they're similar in, in first, the first two books, one's called Punch Drunk Love and one is called Probably the Best Kiss in the World. That's about, and actually 10 years as well, um, 
they're all women, young, modern women who just are trying really hard and they're very capable, but they just haven't caught their breaks. So that's maybe my kind of angle on things. Um, But it also, you know, I, I try to bring fresh and modern because I'm maybe writing um, premises that aren't, or, you know, uh, kind of scenarios that aren't necessarily ones that I've seen before. Uh, so my first book set in a boxing gym, which um, Tiff, she inherits. Uh, when I sent that, it was my f- debut. And so I'd sent that out and I was getting responses like, we like this, this is fresh, but would you be able to set it in a hotel? Because that was like more of a kind of, uh, something that, well, yes exactly like that hotels, yes <laughs> uh and the answer to that was no sorry no it's definitely a retro boxing gym and also the second book well that beer making is a big theme in that and and it's like that's not necessarily something i've seen elsewhere uh so it's sometimes it's women in quirky jobs uh and the quirk and the freshness there comes in that it's hopefully not something that's been done too much before yeah like a like a bakery or something yes yes or a cafe or <laughs> yes yes not to say anything against those books i love those two it's just not my place to 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 write those okay so so for you it's it's a matter of like okay what's let's see what there is you know you obviously read a lot in the genre and, and you know you're writing your own thing and you're like okay what's what's a kind of completely new setting that no one's really i would hope so yeah and and you know sometimes it's not generally something that i uh, have had too much experience of, but then I'll hopefully be able to go out and do some research on it and then make it seem uh, realistic or plausible at least. I'm really quite keen to have something to be vaguely plausible, even if it is in, in rom-com, which often people think is not plausible. Um, but so no, just the, uh, so for 10 years, the, the just there is that they're completing a bucket list, um, these two characters for some, for a, for a lost loved one, even though they hate each other. And there, the engine of it is this bucket list. So I was picking uh, tasks they had to do that were uh, not outrageously expensive, could be done uh, from the UK, and uh, but then would still be able to bring humour to the story because it's, it's in these uh, forced proximity moments that the, the bickering really happens and the conflict comes up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Staples of that trope, I would say. Absolutely. <laughs> so it sounds like, so you, you know, you, you kind of try and find a new setting, you, you go and do a bit of research about that and things like that. Do you plan all of these stories out before you start writing them? Oh, I wish. I so wish. I would love to be a planner. That's, I, I highly value efficiency and, um, I think being a planner would make writing so much more efficient, but I think I, have to accept that I am probably more of a pantser. And so I, I always like kind of start at the beginning, say, right, do a plan this time, do a plan. And and I sit staring at this plan and it just doesn't really come. So in the end, I have to go, okay, you have to launch now because you can't waste too much time now. And then I, I kind of throw myself into it and then very quickly start flailing. And so maybe really I am kind of maybe a bit of a hybrid. Um, okay. So I have to start knowing roughly where it's going to go and with 10 years what I did was I I wrote because it was it was something that I kind of worked with uh, with my editor on and I I wrote the first chapter the middle chapter and the last chapter so I and then sent it to her and said look does this is this the tone you want and um you know do, do you think this will carry and and it did thankfully uh but it just meant that I already had the beginning the middle the end uh, to kind of as those kind of tent posts to work towards, and I think that probably gave me the 
because much as I want to be a planner, I have a feeling that if I wrote a very, very staunch plan, I would then not want to write the story because I already knew what happened. And so really the the surprise elements had gone. So I think I have to find some way of kind of finding it that there's a structure, but there's a looseness to it so that I can amuse myself uh, in my sad little head. Yeah. Just as I go. (laughs) (laughs) That's really interesting actually as a way of doing it, because I've often the thing that I hear from um, people who aren't, who, who don't plan is because like you say, like there's a certain element of joy to writing it and discovering it as you go. Yeah. So it's really interesting that you, especially as like a sort of pitch to your editor to be like, okay, so I've written the first chapter, the middle chapter, the end chapter. Obviously there is a through like, like you, you've basically said, okay, so we're going to start here, go here and go here. Like that, there, there is a beginning, middle end, like you said, Yeah. You, you have a very vague semblance of story, but between those points, you're allowed to go and discover whatever crazy adventures you want that's a really cool way of doing it well it worked on this on this last book um also because of the nature of it the the structure of the story is uh it's set over many years and and they've been asked to do these tasks so i I each uh i break up the book by by year and then Uh within each year there's um kind of a catch-up on what's happened to each character because they alternate uh with what's happened in the last year and then the the actual the second chapter is then the task where they come together and we we see what happens there and so because I had to like kind of lay that out a bit because I also had to then look at because I was taking them from a point where they can barely tolerate each other to a point (laughs) where they're in love it really I really had to look quite carefully at where, how far have we come? What's changed in them? And then what's changed in their relationship to each other? And so that did have to have some kind of plotting. So the, the, I'd say the action was, um, free to come in my head as I wrote, but I did have more of a framework of so and so needs to be open to this, but still close to that. Yeah. And b- because that was just the nature of something which is spanning 10 years, really, I think mm-hmm. that there's, um, because I wanted it to feel plausible and, and that they could really have made this leap from there to there. Yeah. So it's one of those planning staples where, whereas to say like per chapter, you say, okay, here's three things that this chapter needs to accomplish. Oh, I wasn't that detailed. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't that detailed. I'm making it more detailed in my head. (laughs) But, but you, but you, you basically said, okay, this is the year we're on. This character needs to be at this point and this character needs to be at this point. Yes. I yeah. think um, because really they're each changing at different paces and in different ways. And sometimes that would have to grate with each other. And sometimes I needed it to actually be in some kind of a synchronization to each other so that we could at various times see hints of them being together and then it falling flat on its face or other times they're rubbing each other the wrong way actually pushed the other one on uh yeah, so yeah, there was yeah. those elements as well yeah, yeah you're hitting all the all the tropes there and the tro- tropes is a really interesting topic i think it's become such a sort of big part of the genre in, in part thanks to the sort of explosion of book talk and, yes. and tiktok i think uh, and they've very much become part of the marketing of I believe they're marketing definitely yeah. especially within romance as a genre mm. and I saw online that that the 10 years was being promoted with, with the, the kind of like I think you've got uh is haters to lovers slow burn force proximity yes 
You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. When you're writing, obviously, you know, we've kind of figured out how you, how you kind of map these things out. But going into it, do you know which tropes you want to use? Have you picked out the tropes that you want to hit? No, I've, I, have, I haven't come to it that I recall in ever, ever thinking, oh, I'm going to write a, I don't know, a fake dating. But yeah. no, I think I think we, we knew in 10 years <laughs> that it was an enemies to, well, it, then, you know, an enemies to lovers, but I have been since corrected that it's haters to lovers because they're not competing for anything. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> but... I so other than that because yes that was the the hook of it that they 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 dislike each other um other than that not everything else that before that was up to grab was up for grabs and originally it was like we didn't quite I didn't quite know how they were they just had to come together every year and it was very much well how do I make that happened without it being really boring. And so that's where the bucket list came in. And so that then became a, fox pro- a false proximity. Um, I mean, it was slow burn, I think, because, well, it was always going to be a slow burn because it was going to span all these years. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Um, also from, I do believe you can have that Insta love. I believe that happens out there in, in, in the world, but I think it's rarer than a normal slower burn. And so in terms of much as readers, particularly I, I get the American readers, like they really like, you know, the wham up front. I think certainly for a more, uh, for a UK audience that the slower burn kind of feels more realistic. It's what we generally know more than, yeah. than um, Insta love, but that, now three books in, and I'm looking at a fourth book, I'm trying to think, well, actually, maybe do embrace the tropes. Which ones do I really love and which ones do I want to immerse myself in and which ones maybe sit in juxtaposition to what I've written before? So um, I was listening to a podcast with Emily Henry on who, who wrote Happy Place, which I love. Um, and she was saying that when she looks back, she sees that her each book is kind of um, – in reaction to the last book. And I definitely see something in that because um, my first book, there's a, someone gets dumped right at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Well, in my second book, someone's proposed to right at the beginning. And so it's almost like you're trying to be different from the book before. And by doing that, you pick opposing kind of tropes. And whereas tropes to me have always been a a marketing tool, a shorthand for what you're getting. and, And I know that there's certain tropes that I, wouldn't naturally pick up and some that I'll just have catnip to me um then actually maybe that's what's going to happen now you know with each new book that I think well okay I've just done a haters to lovers maybe this next one would be something else that's so I am kind of using the tropes now I think to to work out what I want to work on next but I haven't done that up to now I don't think I've automatically gone in and said I'm going to do a secret millionaire book yeah 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 Okay. That's interesting. I guess you're, you're just much more aware of them now. Yeah. I think well, certainly with, within, if you're within romance, tropes are so key now. They really yeah. are. And, but it, 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 
it really is kind of more, it's a classification, just as if you went into the library and you'd go nonfiction or fiction, and then within the, yeah. you know, the, the fiction, you'd go crime section or you'd go sci-fi section or you'd go romance section or whatever. And then within that, you then go to the next subsection. And it's just um, narrowing down niche by niche as to what your bag is really and what shelf you should be looking at. And from a writer's point of view, it's like, which things do I really enjoy and what will I put together to make hopefully a, a, a combination that is different. Yeah, that's so true. I'd not thought of it like that as a sort of smaller subcategory within romance. I don't think there's any other sort of bigger genre that that has those kinds of granular not breakdowns. Not this many. Like. I'm sure crime does. That you know, whether you want a, pro- a police procedural or yeah. you know, and I'm I'm not familiar enough with the crime. But it's usually two or three, right? Yes. Yeah. And then and then you can go further and further, and then people realise what the kind of things they like. Um, I mean, I know that there's there's people who generally like a crime book that has no romance in it at all. They don't want to see anything like that. And so that's almost its own little niche in its, or I don't know, is that a trope? I don't know. Maybe it is. Um, <laughs> you know, there's so people, you, you find what is your, uh, your, your, what floats your boat and then you will naturally kind of seek out others do that. You know, a cozy crime, that's a whole new one. It's, yeah. well, it's not new. They've been around for a long time, but uh, they, it's suddenly having a real heyday. And um, so, yeah, cozy crime is its own trope. Too, I think I see. cozy is spreading into all the genres now because I'm a big fantasy reader and cozy fantasy has just hit the scene. Has it? Um, yeah, there's a book called Legends and Lattes, which absolutely blew up. I read it recently. I've got that on my Kindle it. to read, actually. that's, that's also, Maybe I've got the second one um, to read, I think. Yes, yes, it's next up. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. It's fun. It's fun to see something like that where it's like I kind of, got to know the idea of what cozy meant within a book through like cozy crime and things yeah. like Thursday murder club and stuff. Yes. Yes. Um, and then, and then seeing it transfer over to like fantasy and, and think, Oh, this is, it's like, yeah, the, it, it's the, the genre is fantasy, but the feel, the vibe is very much cozy. And that's, it's really interesting to see. That's that. really exciting, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I think that's, uh, so I'm a, a fan of a writer called Lindsay Davis who writes historical crime set in Roman times. And they've always been funny and they've been going for decades. Um, and they, they've been funny. So I think that would have been, you class that now as cozy historical crime. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really getting quite niche then, isn't it? Yeah. Well, that, and then there's also um, like cozy horror is a big thing in YA now you get like they, they call it spooky but it's like it's cozy spooky where it's like oh. ghost hunting and vampires but it's all kind of like cute I've just read that nice. um <laughs> I've just read one of those are you aware of Mark Stay's uh Witches of Woodville series I'm not no oh they are lovely they are charming they're set in the uh in Second World War down in Kent but they're really creepy as well okay. and <laughs> so it's historical I guess you could class it almost as historical, cosy historical horror. Um, Lovely books and, you know, proper, really, really charming. But then, yes, these these just like kind of really uh, horrible bits too and really creepiness as well. So, no, I really (laughs) enjoy this kind of bringing together things from other genres or mixing it up, really uh, like making that that mashup um, to bring something new. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, it's cool. It's very exciting. I'd love to talk. Um, uh, I'd love to talk a bit about your experiences within within publishing itself. All three of your novels 
are published with one more chapter, which is a yes. HarperCollins imprint. Correct. Um, the first one, Punch Drunk Love, published 2018. But I, but I noticed, and I was curious about this, it was published before that under a different title. What was the situation with that? Right. So the book was written under the title of Sweatpants at Tiffany's. That's uh, a great that was, name. <laughs> I loved it. And it was actually what, it was one of those books where, when people say, how did you think of your books? Well, it literally was a pun on a film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was sitting thinking, I had just uh, come runner up in um, a short story anthology. And I thought, well, now, okay, I've had the validation that I can write. Let's write yeah. something uh, big. And then I thought, well, what's that going to be? And then on the telly, um, Breakfast at Tiffany's came up and I love that film. And I thought, well, what would a pun on that be? Because there are lots of women's fiction books which are puns on song titles or um, film titles. Anyway, I came up with Sweatpants at Tiffany's and thought, well, what would that story be about? And I think it would be someone who is not a sporty, i.e. me, um, and she's put into a fish-out-of-water situation. There we go. There's a trope there. <laughs> um, and, you know, she let's say she... In her, inherits a boxing gym what does she do and then it was really one of those and what happens now and what happens now and I was just making notes and so the book was sold uh, as sweatpants at Tiffany's and was indeed published by one more chapter as sweatpants at Tiffany's but we just didn't think that well okay the sales weren't good enough to make us think that actually it was serving the story maybe enough not enough people got the the reference um so it had a a bit of a makeover changed the title changed the cover and you know is is better off for it so sometimes you know i i love the title it really tickled me and i got so much good feedback on the title but you know if it doesn't sell then it's not doing its job and so sometimes you have to not be precious about those things and just let the marketeers do their thing Really? Yeah, that's that's really interesting. And also really good that one more chapter said, look, this isn't selling, but we think, you know, mixing up the the branding, the cover, the title could actually get this going well. Yeah. And and, and so it, and from my point of view, well, I had nothing to gain by going, oh, no, you've got to keep it. Um so no, I, 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 and you're right. I was, I was uh, heartened by the fact that they were wanting to make this change and, yeah. and give it another push. So that was, that was a good thing. Absolutely. And, and I think, uh, well, you see it time and again, even with like, um, how many different covers has something like Harry Potter had now? They have different oh. editions come out all the time, don't they? And I feel like every it's, cover it's... gets worse with Harry oh. Potter as well. Every time I see the new covers, I'm like, you've made it worse again. Well done. Oh, no. <laughs> but it makes it, well, allegedly it ref- it refreshes the brand. Um, yes. And so I do see the value in that. And so that's what happened there. But I generally, what my worry is that people would buy the book thinking it was a new book and then get it home and then open it and see that it's still sweatpants at Tiffany's and they've already bought it. And I always therefore put Punch Drunk Love brackets formerly known as uh, sweatpants at Tiffany's just because I don't want people to buy it and already have it. Well, if they've got sweatpants at Tiffany's, that's probably a collector's item now. So, <laughs> I, I wish, uh, but yeah, I do. I, I have held on to a copy. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's going to be like J.R. Hartley on his phone advert, isn't he? Or is that a really old <laughs> reference? You know, um, probably is. Don't worry, ignore that bit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, amazing. Well, we've talked about so we talked a lot about rom coms, about romance, and discussed how how difficult and tricky it is to write and to keep it fresh and to kind of like innovate within the genre. What advice would you give to to 
romance writers out there, rom-com writers out there to, to write, you know, write their stories whilst keeping the romance true and also keeping the comedy funny? I think it's a balance of light and shade. I think you need to have both because one elevates the other. Um, I would, with my, with 10 years, it was very much because of it, the book deals with grief. There's, there's that theme running through of the different ways people handle grief. And so some scenes were about the grief, but then I would look at them and I was think, where is the funny in this? And equally, some of them were just like kind of the, the, the madness of the tasks. And then I was thinking, well, okay, where is the uh, depth in, in this chapter? Yeah. So it was really doing a pass to kind of check that there was a balance in all of it. Equally, I wanted my characters to come across as really um, real. Like they're actually very flawed characters. And Becca, for example, the, the, the lead, she's very spiky. And I know that's made a bit of a Marmite character for some, but that was deliberate because I wanted them to be flawed and like uh, relatable. And what I would definitely and do advise uh, writers to do there is to um, lock yourself in a room with a pad of paper, a pen and a glass of wine, and then uh, write down all of your own personal flaws to be merciless in this task. And if you don't come out with a list, then you're not trying hard enough. Um, And then once that is done, drink the glass of wine because you will need it. And then um, you will have in front of you a list of flaws that you can write about with knowledge and uh, detail and maybe some uh, reasoning why it is as it is because you understand it. And I think that's what I take from the the adage of, you know, write what you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's because you know those flaws because they are yours. And therefore that, when it goes down on the page, if you dig deep enough, readers will recognise maybe a bit in themselves and also maybe in other people and your characters will be rounder and more real for it that's a great little tip i'd not i've not i've not heard of that little uh, strategy before but that's yeah i mean that's one of the the best things that to, for people to do is because i think whenever you write there's a you know all the characters are created from you so they all do have a lot of the time people do give them their own flaws, but to, to write them all out, that's a great, that's a great plan. And then divide them equally between the characters. Well, yes, hopefully. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, 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 all my characters are me in some way. And I think I've, I've yeah. kind of discovered that I'm just trying to get around doing therapy because actually if I can just do, you know, something that's wrong with me in each book or, or just investigate it, then I'll save some money. Um, then but... you could just do one therapy session, but like in advance, you send them all your books. And yes. like, so this is me. You can prep. <laughs> for our session <laughs> yeah, I, i've highlighted some passages for you yeah <laughs> amazing amazing um well that brings us to the 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 end of the episode and and the final question which as always is Penilla, if you were stranded on a desert island with a single book which book would you want it to be Right. So this is a book um, by the author I mentioned earlier, Lindsay Davis, who wrote those uh, the Falco series set in ancient Rome. But she wrote this side book called The Course of Honour. And it's a romance. It's a second chance romance, which I'm an absolute sucker for. Um, and it spans decades. And I love that. The, the, uh, the, the more time between the second chance uh, and the first is, oh, I love, I just love it. And this book is one that I 
read, we'll reread. I don't read, reread that many books, but this one I can keep returning to again and again. And it's about the Emperor Vespasian and his, um, freed woman, Canis, who, um, I wish, I hope I've pronounced those right, but that's how it is in my head. And, um, and that is actually true. That bit is true. But then she has taken it and then just run with it and made this epic romance, which I just love. And I generally, it's, it's not really, I don't think it's particularly well known, or maybe that's in my head, but I was sitting at, I was at a, a retreat, a writer's retreat some, uh, a year ago now. And I was sitting next to someone and they said, you know, what, what's your, what's your favorite book? I said, this one is my favorite. She went, oh, I love that book. And it was another person who had read the book. And so we, we prattled for a good half an hour just because we didn't think anyone else knew this book <laughs> and and then I was at a book festival uh in March May and uh, a, a, a lovely white-haired lady came up um and spoke to me and we were talking about and she loved the book as well and it was just oh the joy of finding someone else who loves a particular but not very well-known book that mm-hmm. you love yeah. um oh there's a special joy to that absolutely <laughs> there is so yeah Lindsay Davis The Course of Honour if you like okay. a romance set in historical times Yes. Or if you think you like it, you know, some people, you've never tried that. They're like, oh, I've only read contemporary romance. Why don't I try something in yes, ancient Yes, try Rome something new. Switch it, it up. <laughs> yeah. Um, amazing. What a, what a cool answer. And it, and it is one of the, the moment when you, you, you meet someone and you're talking to them and you realize you both like a, oh, a, a book. It's like, oh, great. Let's talk about the book. <laughs> so good, isn't it? Yes. Because yeah. usually you're like, oh, I wish there was someone else I could talk to about this book. <laughs> it's especially, especially if it is like an older book. I mean, I'm trying to think when this was written in uh, 1997. So we're there right back into last century. Um, yeah. So, yeah, the older it is, the more chance that someone won't have read it. Well, I don't know, unless it's a classic. Um, and sometimes it, it, it just it just pushed my buttons. I liked it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Well, a, a great answer, a great addition to the library. And um, thank you so much, Penilla, for coming on the, the podcast and telling us all about your your writing and, and rom-coms and your kind of experiences within publishing. It's been really cool chatting with you. Oh, it's been such a treat. Thank you so much for having me. And for anyone listening, if you want to keep up with what Penilla is doing, you can follow her on Twitter and Instagram at Penilla Hughes or head over to her website, PenillaHughes.com. To make sure you don't miss an episode of this podcast, follow along on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok and Facebook. You can support the show on Patreon. And for more bookish chat, check out my other podcast, The Chosen Ones and Other Tropes. Thanks again to Penilla and thanks to everyone listening. We'll catch you in the next episode. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.